We're live. I'm gonna get some audio music for the start. No, it's good. You could just you could just wing it at the start of every episode. Just do your own music. That's much more much more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for joining Nick and I again on the Cycling Explained from Perth Cycling Bets. We're gonna be talking about the Tour de France Femme recap and also uh, the World Champs coming up next weekend in Glasgow. Super exciting, super pumped for that. Lots of good action going to occur. First things first, though, Nick, you got the book. I know I'm releasing the, the video, but got the book here. I'll, I'll do a flip through. That, that Whoa. Flip through for those on audio only. Got the, yeah, got it in last week. Read it, read it to Shannon every night as like a, a bedtime story. Help us relax before bed. It's, yeah, it's been cool. <laughs> That's what cycling is, man. It, it's, it's, uh, it's relaxing. That's for sure. There's definitely some, some slow points uh in those races but yeah thanks for thanks for purchasing the book thanks for supporting us obviously it's first edition we're gonna iterate on it uh but you know good value for money 400 pages in there so and get it get it, get it while the the price is still still low what uh impressed and surprised me that i've never seen before in a book brent pro cycling bets might be breaking new ground because i've never seen emojis in an in a printed book before that was a, a new, new for yeah me, so well done, yeah so. it was a uh, it was debatable whether or not we were going to actually leave them in there but my sarcasm doesn't come across as well without a upside down smiley face which is <laughs> Lots my upside down smiley faces, yeah. yeah that is like basically the only emoji i use to be honest <laughs> not not a big gif guy not a big emoji person so yeah it's gonna be uh, upside down smiley faces so uh it's also some of the posts some of the pages i transferred from the blog and that's why i use a lot of the emojis as well mm, um but yeah it, it's it's difficult to i think in in the second edition i'll try and narrow down on a voice for the book in the sense that like how do i want to write it like kind of like how do i want to tell like talk to the the reader i guess per se yeah, and yeah. a little bit more structure around that uh but it's it's tricky um but uh yeah no glad you got it i uh, got a lot of support from a lot of people so it's been going well and i'm excited about it uh, a great learning opportunity for us here pro cycling bets and yeah um we'll, we'll do a big push soon but not quite yet so uh yeah do you want to did you get to i know i asked you if you got to watch any of the tour de france and i'm assuming you probably didn't get to watch any of the tour de france then either no i didn't get a chance to watch to watch much of it and like less on random tvs and pubs here in the uk but uh i remember for those for those listeners who are binging this podcast we i think we left off last time talking about how the tour de france femmes were an opportunity to kind of have like a less in the spotlight sort of race, so potentially better results for for betters who are kind of paying attention to what's going on. How that how that pan out for for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So it was, I think there was a really cool poll on pro cycling stats where we you know get a lot of stats and everyone gets a lot of stats for cycling, which is like you can play a game basically, which is like basically like you're betting on who's going to win the stage without actually betting. Kind of like there's a game that they have. And so they were trying to map like how the results of the stage, how many people had like top three results 
in their game. So who like basically fantasy, right? And it was almost for four. We, we looked at this on day on stage six, I guess. So we had five days where they had pulled numbers from three of the five days. Zero people had gotten the right uh, rider who had won. It was just supremely uh, inconsistent uh, in the sense of like I, the sport is still developing on the women's side. Like these riders who were previously not very good are now supremely good. Or like the breakaway was let to have way too much time or they weren't allowed to have too much time. Like some riders can get over hills. Some riders can't. Uh, there's just like yeah. vastly different, uh, vast differences in the abilities of the riders. And, and a lot of these riders are now getting paid better, which is supreme. And they're able to train for longer. And they have those legs while other riders aren't. So it's still on the cusp of kind of being an amateur or a pro. And now that divide is becoming like super clear. And you, you'll get there eventually where you have all these riders be pro and be have the ability to train. Uh, but it's not quite there yet. And so you're kind of in this kind of middle ground. And then what that brings is you're also in this middle ground for race tactics and strategy as well. It doesn't help that. Uh, so there's two main teams, which was Movistar. Well, actually, I'm going to give three main teams, actually, because uh, they did like super, super well. This this racing was Canyon Tram Racing by far and large punched above the weight uh but the two main teams going in were team sd works and movistar because they had the two favorites movistar had anime and flirten and uh demi volering was from team sd works and team sd works is stacked they have a budget of 14 million which is huge for women sports like we're talking some of the other teams must have a budget of maybe a million if that uh so it's 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 dramatic so they had three of them they had four of the main strong riders i would say they had actually they had the whole team was strong like it's kind of like uae in the men's so they had uh, volling who's a gc favorite they had kobeki who was the ruler favorite and just supremely strong overall uh we'll talk about that kind of as we get into it and then they had uh, marlon roser who was the best time trialist going in. And they also had Lorena Vivers, who is the fastest sprinter by far in the women's peloton. It's it's incredible uh, watching her. She just looks like a Hulk on the bike and it's like so cool. Um, and overall the races were, you know, it was fun to watch because it was, again, it's, it's unexpected. But in terms of betting, we were happy because we just held back a little bit. But we went on the overall, we went on Nivea Doma pretty heavy. Uh, she ended up coming third, almost second. And so we were in the money there, which was nice. And there was one big stage which was really interesting, which was the Termalay stage. So the Termalay is a giant climb that's well known. It's used super, like almost all the time in the Tour de France for the men. But the women had never done it. And so it was cool to see the level of the women and how they would tackle the climb and, and all that jazz. And that was last night. And it had, I think the, I think the best part of that was the number of fans. Um, and so the announcers were just so happy at like, just like the, you almost had the same kind of atmosphere that you do 
on men's climbs with people cheering on the side and it's just like jam-packed and it was just really really good for the sport um especially given how late at night it was it was later because like they had uh a men's race (laughs) earlier in the day so i think they structured it so that they didn't overlap um but overall it was i think success race-wise in terms of if you wanted to inspire people to get into the sport and show that this was possible they it definitely did that uh, it seemed very exciting uh, and we can get into some of the nuances that i'm happy to talk about but again, i'm gonna shut up for a second and let you see if you have any questions yeah one thing i want to circle back to you that you're talking about is um in kind of the women's cycling there's some it's kind of going from a transition from like an amateur sport to a professional sport and I never thought about it before. And of course, it's not going to happen kind of like one year, everyone's an amateur. The next year, everyone's pro. Like different riders and maybe different teams are going to be kind of leveling up faster than others and getting more funding and being able to to train more. So I guess you're saying you're kind of seeing that this year. It's like where some some train, uh, some riders are able to kind of be training at a pro level and that kind of shows and others are still kind of, you know, not, not doing it full time. Um, but that's kind of like a, a new thing you're noticing this year. Yeah, it's super unique, right? Like it's with the men's, everyone's pro, everyone's trading at roughly the same level. And then you get into the discrepancies sometimes where you have, you know, in the 2010s, certain teams started to use altitude camps more uh, and they got benefits from that. But overall, it's like everyone's pro, everyone's training 30 hours a week, 25 hours a week. And so they all kind of the same. But in this case, it's 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 still not quite that. So you have that going on. And then I think you also have the even the team cars themselves, the coaches. I think that's still being figured out a little bit and who's best to put in that car. Cause I think SD Works had a lot. SD Works was the main, you know, team, best team going in. They had a lot of questionable tactics. And it seemed like the kind of coaching there was a little bit strange. And so I think that kind of is still being developed too. Like everything's just kind of in flux. And I think you get a lot of weird inconsistencies happening, which is good as a better, but also because you can find, if you can find those inconsistencies, that's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but it's still tricky. Like, I guess in the time trial, we went pretty heavy on two candidates that we thought were not, uh, you know, given that had too long odds for the time trial, but uh, you know, we were wrong. Um, they they didn't perform as as well as we had thought, and so I think there's, and I think that's because the, the again the caliber of like winning a nationals in a certain region, even if it's Europe, doesn't mean the same compared in men's men's because like in men's all of Europe is really strong, whereas with the women's there's certain countries. Like there's more like three countries where a nationals time trial matters a lot compared to a men's where there's probably like 15 countries in Europe where if you win the road race, the time trial, like it matters. So that was kind of interesting to play around with and learn uh, overall. But uh, I think it was just really exciting, right? I think you had a good battle for, you know, uh, queen of the mountain there was like between two people for a while there it looks like that um the queen of the mountain was won by nivia doma which was 
you know, kind of interesting in the end, but there was this, there was Casterline who kind of fought uh, beside Coster for a while. So you had that kind of battle in between going on, which was kind of neat. And then you also had Kapeki who just really, really outperformed. So Kapeki was from SD Works and she was that ruler and she kind of just like apparently had been doing, you know, seven hour rides on the bike and just like really, really getting that in her legs and it showed because she could usually the announcers were surprised they were like oh she's gonna drop on the climbs and she didn't drop on the climbs and so you know this is this is maybe a good transition or segue to to talk about you know the upcoming world champs where you know Kapeki was already kind of one of the big favorites going in but we think hey i don't know if the odds have changed right now but we went pretty heavy when we figured out that she was going to like after we knew she could climb yeah so the odds have gone down on her since we we, we placed the bets uh just because her form is outstanding right now so that's kind of exciting to see and uh yeah overall the race was a success i think there was a lot of wins by canyon shram who played it well and had like some smart tactics and that's where like the tactics kind of side was like you have one team sd works who have super strong riders but not great tactics and you have another team with great tactics and not the same caliber riders and it was nice to see that the tactics paid off so yeah that's kind of the summary of the tour of france fam but yeah super cool and just for context is today the last day or is, has it has it ended today was the last day today was a time trial ended on a time trial i think that was nice i don't I'm not a huge fan of the charade of the, you know, uh, Champs-Élysées stage where it's kind of more of a... I, next year in the Tour de France for men, it's going to end in Nice because the Olympics road race, oh, the Olympics are on, so they can't actually use Paris and because it's happening in Paris, which will be nice because, yeah, I think it's nice to have like this exciting kind of final finish day. and uh, But anyway uh so that's yeah that was the past week you also have the tour of poland going on which is providing some nice action and then you had two races this weekend uh that happened in spain you had the the san sebastian classic which was yesterday which is probably the biggest race and it showed off that remco Evenepoel, one of the big five uh, riders he kind of took the win it was his third win of that race, and uh, he hit the record there. He's he's showing good form too. So going into the World Champs, he's looking like a strong contender for that. I mean, the thing is, you have so many people who are strong contenders for the World Champs, and it's actually close to you. It's in Glasgow, so um, it's uh, yeah. There's a lot of we have a lot of friends who are going, and uh, it should be it should be intriguing. Um, yeah, yeah, very cool. I, I'm interested. Like, I don't know much about the world champs. So, from like a high level, is it run like a tour? Are there teams like a normal tour? And like, how do people qualify? Yeah. So, I will. So, the world champs is, you know, if you we might have discussed this before, but if you win the world champs, you get to wear that rainbow kind of jersey all year in the road races, and you, so you'll see the the winner wear that jersey uh, and then throughout the rest of their career they can have some sort of world champs band on their jersey to a degree they just can't have it like 
fully flexed out. Um, and there's two designations. Well, there's four actually. They're happening like they're doing the mountain bike there. They're doing the, the indoor track world champs in Glasgow as well. And they're also, but the two ones to the road are the time trial and the road race. Uh, and so they'll happen a week apart, the time trial and the road race. Road race, I think, happens first this year, and then the time trial is a week later. But the race is, you know, kind of run like a classic race. So you have 230 kilometers, roughly, um, and they'll do it out and then back. And then they're going to do, a, I think, probably eight or nine loops of Glasgow um, once they're back in there. It's pretty technical, right? It's a very technical course in the city center, lots of turns. Um, and it's, I think what everyone has been thinking is if it rains, which I mean, it's Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah. yeah, Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a shit show in the sense that it could be crashes. There could be a lot of different contenders who are coming through. So what, you know, those bets that are kind of long right now that you might not see panning out like those people those riders might actually have a little bit of a better chance just because it just things could go crazy so we're talking like a kiewitzkowski at 251 oh we're talking someone you would know is a Derek g uh, at 401 right he's probably going to go in the break and i think normally on any other day it would be pretty highly unlikely he would win but the break might have a chance if the weather's crap and, you know, all that jazz and they're harder to pull back. So, you know, we're liking that, but we'll see. It's going to be kind of crazy um, in terms of, you know, there's is not too much climbing either. So it's like there's uh, the Montrose Street, which is 200 meters at 6%, um, but it's not really that difficult. In terms of qualification, all the countries get a select number of riders based on how well they've performed during the year and so based on the number of uci points that the country has they can bring more riders Um, yeah and so you'll you'll have some collaboration between the riders on the team so the countries will usually designate one or two riders who they want to win but it's not always the case sometimes you get some you know someone's just gonna do their own thing um just because it's not as you know team based um, per se, so that's how it's going to go down, and uh, it should be interesting to to see who's going to pull out the win. Um, but uh, yeah, it's pretty. I think it's in terms of prestigiousness, it is very prestigious. Uh, a lot of riders target this. Uh, for a long time, like Remco Avenapol only has done a few, a handful of races after pulling out of the Giro. Um, actually, San Sebastian, I believe, was his, his only other one other than the Giro. And he really wants to win. And some riders really want to win. It means a lot to have those rainbow bands. It's it's quite well known. And it's, it's uh, yeah, it's important to a lot of riders. So I think you mentioned there's four different races that will be happening. Do you expect to be able to place bets on all of them? Yeah, so you'll be able to place bets on the women's road race, men's road race. The time trial will be uh, closer to the date. So we expect those odds to, those odds for the road race have dropped already. So it's it's the 
prominent riders who they expect to win are Philipson, Wout Van Aert, Van de Poel, Pogacar, Evenepoel, Pedersen, people like that. We think Evenepoel is going to take it uh, over the other ones. Uh, we don't think it's going to come down to a bunch sprint because so they have Philipson is the best sprinter in the world um, by far and large. She won a lot of the Tour de France stages, but we don't think it's going to come down to a bunch sprint because what Avonpool does is Avonpool doesn't do bunch sprints. That's not how he races. Avonpool rides away from people with seated power 30 kilometers out from the finish. And that's how he wins. He's just like, I can hold this above average tempo for much, much longer than you folks. And he's just going to take it. And there's, I, we don't think there's going to be a, a way for it to come down to the line. Uh, it's going to require some extreme team uh, coordination. That's probably just not going to happen at a like a national kind of race for them to not have a break go of strong attackers. So we see three, two things happening. We see either Remco going with a bunch of riders, like just like powering away, like these these strongest riders at like 30k, 40k, or we see a break. Well, this is probably going to happen no matter what, but we see a break going as well with a handful of riders who need to go in a break, be it um, like a Ben Healy, a Derek G, uh, some of those other riders who like a Kiewitzkowski who are just going to go and then hopefully hold off to the end. But uh, Avonpool looks strong. I think he, this Saturday at the race he won, he was like, I'm a few watts off my best. But that's probably because he's trying to peak just for the race, right? You want to be just below your, your best kind of going into the race. So uh, it, we'll see. Um, it's going to be fun no matter what. I mean, it's going to be... A, you're going to have four events over the course of 10 days, right? You're going to have the mountain biking, the time trials, indoors, the road race outdoors. Uh, should be a blast. And we're jealous of anybody who is in the area. And if you are in the area, you should go. Yeah, it's, it should be a bunch of fun. For sure, for sure. Uh, one question I don't know if you talked too much about that you kind of alluded to earlier is weather, right? Obviously, Glasgow, famously unpredictable weather. would. Uh, a, a savvy better try to factor that in maybe wait till they have a sense of the forecast or like realistically there's not like actionable information from that like if it's rainy it's going to be more hectic maybe or what's what's your take on kind of weather implications? yeah during time trials it's really important uh because if a select group of riders gets rain and a select group of riders doesn't get rain because that can happen yeah. over the course of the two and a half hours as riders are going off then it can drastically alter the effects. Um, so, you know, the best case scenario is you have a long, so a, a rider who is less likely to win. So th there'll be the, it, it goes based on GC position. So if you're first in GC, you're going last. So let's say you have a good time trialist who's really far down on GC just because, I don't know, whatever. Uh, they're not a GC rider, but they're a good time trialist and then rain happens halfway through the stage that's like the best thing because then gotcha. they can perform well and then the gc rider gets saddled with having crappy rain mm -hmm. and it slows them down and then your rider who is longer 
um, might actually win. Just because like GC riders, you have to be good at time trialing. Mm -hmm. So all the GC riders are going to be good time trialists, but you also have time trialists who are not good GC riders. And that's where it can really pay off. Um, But uh, yeah, so that's key factor. And then also if you're doing live betting, you can probably take that into account, uh, which is an interesting factor. So obviously you're going to be paying a little bit more VIG um, which is just like they'll they kind of take a larger percentage of the cut when you do live betting, but it may be worthwhile to you know if the break's gone, starts raining, uh, and there's some good odds on some people from the break winning, maybe might be worthwhile because uh, just because the riders are going to be going a little bit slower, they're going to be uh, it's tricky for the peloton as easy as it seems. Sometimes it, it is tricky for the peloton to catch the break uh, unless they're coordinated. Uh, everyone's super strong these days. So, uh, you know, you throw rain into the mix, it's going to be uh, more difficult. So, yeah, it, it, weather definitely affects it. And it's, it's worthwhile to keep in mind, but uh, it's less a concern for actually stage racing than it is Tundra. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. And then I also wanted to touch on the indoor and mountain biking i imagine these are riders who you're probably less familiar with so kind of more of a risky bet or or what's your take on these kind of like other other events that people might not have as much like stats on yeah you you can't to our knowledge bet indoor um in terms of the like on the track there's just not enough people watching let alone enough to bet sometimes you can bet mountain biking and we would recommend people just like watch mountain biking because man, those announcers just are so much fun. Like they make our lives better. Just, just the energy. They're so positive. Even when like a rider does shit, they're like, oh man, he's such a good god. And like, you know, anyways. They're, they're Hopefully great. you get some announcers with some nice Scottish accents too this time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You will. And uh, overall it's, it's much more fun than we thought watching mountain biking. So just because, you know, you have someone upbeat and positive makes you upbeat and positive. So watching the mountain biking is is a blast. And uh, we've only seen odds of a handful of times, but there may be, uh, you know, uh, people put odds on anything. Like people put odds. We heard that <laughs> it was funny. There was someone wanted to put money that their son would win the Tour de France in like 20 years or something. And like, eh, you can, you can make a bet on anything you can, eh, realistically, but um, yeah, there's just, uh, something to keep in mind is, is you, there's only so much time in the day, right? So you have to be informed when you're making these bets. I think some of the aspects of how we try and make a bet is like, are we happy with our bet? Even if it, doesn't pan out like did you place a smart bet or are you like eating ice cream and threw down a dollar on xyz and so even for we've been having a lot of success with the women's world cup going on right now in soccer um just because there's so many upsets that happens in world cups again it's an information disparity problem where they don't have information on teams playing each other that are far away because like for example the latin american countries will never play 
Australia or most of the European teams. So it's really hard for them to generate good odds. And so they kind of drastically give out. Yeah, they drastically give out like super. So like Colombia just beat Germany today and we had a fair amount of money down on that. And we were just like, well, you know, Colombia, like Colombia is strong. And like, that's their, that's what their life is. Their culture is around soccer and, you know, Germany too. But anyway, uh, there was a potential for upset there. So it was, it was an upset. Um, but that's because Germany never plays Colombia. Um, Colombia plays all the countries surrounding it before it makes it to the World Cup. Um, so yeah, you, you want to look for those information disparities. We're not professionals in betting on World Cup soccer. Um so you don't need too much information, but you should do at least a bare minimum, in our opinion, to make like a semi-informed bet uh, that you want to feel good about. So, Cool. Not good stuff. Uh, seems like a lot of exciting cycling coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, exciting cycling. And then I think our, our next podcast will be on the Velta uh, when some of the... the uh, we didn't touch on it this podcast because the start list is still kind of in flux a little bit you got Vingegaard you know the winner of the tour he just signed up for the Velta so that's gonna be four big names you got Avonpool, Ayuso, Vingegaard and Roglic and it's gonna be an exciting one so we'll have a lot of content uh, around the Velta we already have probably six posts up about it so if you want to check those out on the site we got points class fake Vacation favorites, King of the Mountain favorites, stage one and stage two betting favorites, the hardest stage, the hardest climbs, and the overall betting favorites. So feel free to check out the site for those. Uh, you know, getting a lot of, we might do a video too, uh, but we're pretty, pretty weighed down with a lot of other stuff. Or we're, we're starting to build out a kind of a bet tracking for cycling just because we want to be able to measure our performance. So that's what we're working on right now. Can't manage what you can't measure right it's the old dodge so that is our that's what we're doing but wanted to thank nick for coming on and talking with us again and uh everyone's having fun betting and and watching the cycling it's you know just another month and a half and and we're almost almost out of cycling so enjoy it while it lasts make uh, make hay while the sun shines as they say because it's not super fun betting on cyclocross in the winter because it's it's the odds are so short between mvdp and wealth van art and no one else is even close so anyway um stay tuned for more and we hope everyone enjoys take care